<coughs> Turn again your Bibles to the psalm we read, Psalm 136. <coughs> psalm 136, we can read again the first verse. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. I want for us to think particularly upon the second part of that verse, which is repeated in each of the 26 verses of this psalm. For his mercy endureth forever. It's thought that perhaps that this psalm was composed in a way so that in the singing of praise that the leaders of the praise would sing the first part of the verse and then the congregation would respond with the refrain for his mercy endureth forever. And the psalm works through giving us a summary of creation and then of redemption as it was typified in the deliverance of the children of Israel from Egypt. And there is this recurring refrain. And when we find repetition in Scripture, we have to understand that that is a way of making emphasis. So there is great emphasis here upon this, that his mercy endureth forever. And in looking at this this evening, I want to make two very simple points. And the first is this, is that mercy is grace. That's almost a circular definition. Mercy is grace and grace is mercy. Because these words are really synonymous. And you see that in the metrical version where there is an alter it alternates alternates between mercy and grace. And some of that is maybe for a stylistic purpose, but it also maybe is to emphasize the richness of the meaning. His mercy endures forever. His grace endures forever. This word it has the sense of kindness and of goodness, and of love, of steadfast love. His mercy endureth forever. Mercy is grace. And that's a vital emphasis, and it's one that we have to grasp. That mercy... That grace is what is not deserved. It's not what is merited. It's not what is earned. Sometimes people ask very profound questions when you think of God's sovereignty and election. And why is it that the gospel comes to one and does not come to another? And there's a tendency to ask, is that fair? But it's important that we understand that no one has any entitlement to mercy. You cannot have an entitlement to mercy or it wouldn't be mercy. You cannot have an entitlement to grace or it wouldn't be grace. The mystery of God's providence. There is no injustice. There is justice. And yet... There is also mercy. There is grace. And why mercy? 
is extended to one and not to another, we cannot answer. But that mercy does not mean injustice. Rather, it is different from justice. It's in a different category. Mercy. His mercy endureth forever. Mercy is grace. It is important that we understand that because so often as we stand before God, we feel unworthy. Because we are unworthy. But because we feel unworthy, because we are unworthy, we become full of doubts, don't we? We're quickly overtaken with doubts. How can I come before God? How can I enjoy the blessing of God? How can I hope that God will look upon me and do me good? We sang in Psalm 130, Lord, who shall stand if thou, Lord, should mark iniquity? And the answer is no one would stand. The Lord is to mark our iniquity, to judge us and deal with us according to our sin. And as we deserve, no one can stand. It's a repeated emphasis of Scripture, isn't it? There's no one is righteous. There's none. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. The wonder of the gospel is this, that God seeks after sinners. You find that in the beginning. When Adam and Eve raised themselves up in defiance of God, they took what was forbidden, that the Lord came seeking them. The Lord knew where they were. The Lord knew what they had done. And yet the Lord sought them out. And isn't that your own experience if you're in Christ tonight? It was the Lord who sought you. It was the Lord who pursued you. Why? Because of his mercy. And his mercy is grace. But because we feel unworthy, because we are unworthy, and we fear that we'll be dealt with as we deserve. We tend to hold back. In fact, we tend to just simply hide away. But we are to come. To come before God. To appear before God. To receive the blessing of not God. Not because of what we deserve. But because of his mercy. Which is grace. Which is not according to what we deserve. But it's according to his good pleasure. Do you not find that this hinders you in prayer? That you're fearful to ask and to seek the blessing of God because you know you do not deserve? And your conscience is tender and you've sinned against the Lord. Perhaps you struggle to pray for your family because you see in them the reflection of your own sin. And you fear that the Lord is just dealing with you as you deserve and dealing with them as you deserve. In Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments, and the Second Commandment about graven images, 
told in verse 6, the Lord shows mercy unto thousands of them that love him and keep his commandments. You think, but I haven't kept his commandments. And how can I experience then his love and his blessing? You've got no faithfulness to offer. You've got no righteousness to plead. What does it mean to keep the commandments of God? Well, the commandment, of course, as we considered this morning, the purpose of the commandment is to bring us to see our need for the Savior. And in a sense, keeping the commandment of God is following it to its natural conclusion and trusting in the Savior, calling upon Him. And so, we are to plead for his mercy and to seek his grace, realizing that we do not deserve. But we're not asking according to our merits. We're not asking for justice. We're not asking for what is fair. We're not asking for what has been earned. But rather according to his good purposes in Christ. It is God's good pleasure to show mercy. God's good pleasure to give what is not deserved. We're to plead. To plead is covenant love. We'll give thanks unto the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Your conscience will side with the accuser. You're guilty, and you fear, and you retire. Says, oh, there's no way forward, is there? But what do we told in First John chapter three and verse ten? If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts, and knoweth all things. He knows that you love Him. He knows your desire. He knows that you're seeking for mercy and for grace. Sometimes we're tempted to think that if we're conscious of sin, we must wait until that sin has been worked out, some sort of penance. That you can't turn from sin and expect the blessing of God immediately. But rather you somehow have to prove yourself over a period. You're on probation, and once you've proved yourself, then maybe God will have mercy upon you and do you good. But that's not mercy. Mercy is what is not deserved. Mercy is grace. There's no delay before his acceptance. Rather, he calls sinners to come and to be saved, to be raised up, and to be blessed. And to be prospered. I'm not saying that you're to be indifferent to sin. Because that's not what we're taught. But as a sinner you're to come. And to take hold of the Lord Jesus Christ. As he's set out to you. That you might enjoy the blessing of God. According to his mercy. And mercy is grace. You're not to sort yourself out first. You can't sort yourself out. You spend your whole life trying to sort yourself out. And you never will. 
You're not to make yourself acceptable, but rather to come, to come in all your folly, to come in the mess, to come with your shame, and to take hold of mercy, that you might enjoy his grace. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. always and it's only mercy and grace it's a repeated refrain not simply repeated through the duration of the psalm but it's a repeated refrain through the whole of the scripture it's a repeated refrain of the whole of Christian life his mercy endureth forever and though we be sinners and though we do not deserve it, we are to come to receive the gracious blessing of God. You know these words from a wonderful hymn, Amazing Grace. "'Tis grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. "'Tis grace that brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. "'It's grace, it's grace, it's grace, at every turn. Not what you've earned, not what you deserve. You know, anything other than grace and mercy is a departure from the gospel. Regardless how long you've been in the way, anything other than grace and mercy is a departure from the gospel. Give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Mercy is grace. Not what is earned, it's not what is deserved. It can't be earned, it can't be deserved. If you want to earn it, you're rejecting mercy and you're rejecting grace. Want to work it out yourself. You're saying to the Lord, it's not for me. You to forsake all these false efforts. You to forsake that delusion. To take hold of his mercy. But not only is mercy grace, we can say that mercy is great. We'll give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. His mercy is great. It's great in extent because his mercy is extended to the ends of the earth. All people that in earth do dwell sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. The Lord addresses all the peoples everywhere, all the nations. These words in Jeremiah 22. O earth, 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 hear the words of the Lord. Not the earth as the ground upon which you stand. But it is the inhabited world. All the nations, all the Gentiles, all the peoples. Hear what God has to say. 
And what is it that God has to say? God has to say this. This is who he is. And you are to come and to be reconciled to him and to receive of his mercy. Psalm 66. All lands to God in joyful sound. Aloft your voices raise. Join in his praise. Declare his glory. His mercy is great. But it extends to all the nations. It's important you understand the greatness of the mercy of God tonight. So you think of it extending to all the nations. But it extends to each one who is here. For the Lord calls sinners. And that's what you are. He calls the unrighteous and the ungodly. And he calls the rebellious. And he calls the proud. Friends, his mercy is great because it extends to the ends of the earth. And his mercy is great because it extends to you. And sometimes there's a temptation, isn't there, to write yourself out temptation to somehow find some clause in scripture or in your own thinking of the scripture that means it's not you because your sin is too great your heart is too hard your folly is so overwhelming and yet his mercy is extended to you you will find no clause in scripture that writes anyone out rather he reveals his mercy and his grace. It is great. His mercy is great. It's great in extent, but it's great also in effect. It says in Romans 5, for sin abounded, grace did much more abound. For sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And that's one of the reasons why, if you think that your sin is too great tonight, you need to understand that that's not so. Because for sin abounded, grace did much more abound. His mercy, it endureth forever. And children, you know that your mother's not smaller than your finger, don't you? But you can hold your finger up and hide your mother. That's not because your finger's bigger and she's smaller. You know that your finger's not bigger than a car. You can hold it up and hide the car. You know your fingertip's not bigger than the moon. But you can hold it up and the moon is gone. But it's not because your fingertip's bigger, is it? It's to do with perspective. Because if you bring your finger close, it hides whatever is behind it. And sometimes our sin seems so huge that it hides, it obscures the reality of the greatness of God. But that's not because your sin is greater than the greatness of God. It's because your perspective is wrong. 
because you're not seeing it right. Rather, your sin is so close to you because it's your sin. And it's there and it haunts you. It's in the front of your mind. It's there in your heart. And it's so overwhelming. But what you need to know tonight is that his mercy endureth forever. That mercy is grace and mercy is great. Great in its extent, but it's great in its effect. That the Lord is able. The Lord is able to save to the uttermost all who come to him in Christ Jesus. We sang in Psalm 103. As far as east is distant from the west, so far hath he from us removed in his love all our iniquity. You can measure north to south. It's a big distance, but you can measure it. You can't measure east from west. It's just a bigger distance that always gets bigger. It just extends. The psalm uses the same image as well. It talks about the heavens above the earth. You can measure the earth. You can't measure the heavens. It goes on and it goes on. And that's an illustration of how great his mercy is. His mercy is great. I'm not minimizing the darkness of sin, the horror of sin, the outrage of it, and the ultimate consequences of sin if it's not repented of. You live and die in your sin. And what you need to know is his mercy is great. If you die in your sin, not because his mercy wasn't great, but rather because you died in your sin. We'll give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. It's great in its extent, it's great in its effect, but also great in that it endures. That word's in italics. You see that in your Bible? The shape of the letters is a little different. I'll give thanks unto the Lord for his good, for his mercy, endureth forever. And the fact is in italics is to show you that that word's been put there to help you grasp the sense. But there isn't actually a word in Hebrew that said endureth. Rather, it says in Hebrew, mercy forever. But so you understand exactly what that mercy forever means. It's his mercy endureth forever. It's not wonderful. His mercy endureth forever. You know, sometimes you promise that you'll do the right thing. And you intend to keep your promise. And you keep your promise for a good time. For a long time. You don't find yourself able to keep your promise forever, do you? It doesn't endure. But his mercy endureth forever. In the second version, the metrical version, it says, For certainly his mercies dure most firm and sure eternally. 
get some idea there of the extent, this eternal duration. You know, the Lord won't change. He won't break his promise. He won't change his mind. He won't grow tired of you. He won't move on to something or someone else. That's what we do. But the Lord is not as we are. His mercy endureth forever. It's an unbreakable covenant mercy. There is a security. There is a certainty. So that Paul is able to say in Romans there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That nothing shall separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. Not death, nor life. Nothing created. Nothing uncreated shall separate you from Christ. His mercy endureth forever. It's important we understand that while his mercy endureth forever, if we have received his mercy, if we've enjoyed his mercy, if we've been embraced by it. But this doesn't teach us that his mercy is available forever. So don't misunderstand this. mercy is great in extent, it's great in effect it's great in that it endures forever and his mercy is extended to you in Christ today but there is no promise that that mercy will be extended to you beyond today the Bible tells us very clearly the time to be saved that time is now today it's the accepted day. It says in Acts chapter 17 that the Lord has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men and that he has raised him from the dead. His mercy is extended today. But his mercy will not always be extended. For there is a day coming when Jesus Christ, who died and rose again and ascended up into glory, shall come again. And on that day, he shall call all men everywhere to give an account. That, of course, means all men and women, all boys and girls, every one of us. And we shall stand before the Lord and be asked to give an account. And there will be no one who will be able to plead works of righteousness in that day. The question will be this. Have you embraced the mercy of God? Have you sought the mercy of God? Or have you rejected Christ? Because that's what is mercy is to be seen most clearly, isn't it? In the giving of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. Send the Son into the world, that he would lay down his life as a sacrifice, as a substitute, the sin bearer, the righteous one in the place of the unrighteous. His mercy, his mercy, endureth forever. This mercy which endureth forever is extended to you today in Christ Jesus. But don't suppose, don't presume that it will be extended again and again and again. Maybe it has been as you look back. Maybe you've heard this so many times. You know it so well. There's no promise of tomorrow. There's no promise of later today. All that you have, friends, is now. And the Lord addresses you now in his word. Today is the day of salvation. It's not enough to have good intentions. You've done that before, haven't you, with other things. You intended to, but you never quite got round to it. So you missed out. And while that may be sad and disappointing in many aspects of life, there is nothing more tragic than a person who quietens their conscience with this kind of good intention of coming to Christ tomorrow, but never does. And so, as it were, sees mercy but never receives mercy oh give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever this is emphasized again and again and again and again so that you would be confident that his mercy endureth forever, but not so that you would be presumptuous. And so put off until tomorrow, and ultimately fear failed to come. He has no obligation to show mercy. Mercy is grace. And according to his good pleasure, he extends that to you tonight. But there is no obligation. And you will have no legitimate complaint if that is not presented to you again. There's two things here, isn't there? Mercy is grace. And his mercy is great. And therefore, friends, let me plead with you that you would plead for mercy. That you would come before the Lord and plead for his mercy. Don't come with a sense of entitlement, but come with a sense of expectation because he who is promised is faithful. He does not bid you to come in vain. These aren't empty words.
His mercy endureth forever. But also, as we close, friends, it's important that we continually remind ourselves that His mercy endureth forever. Because so often we're confronted with not only the dysfunction of our own hearts, but the dysfunction of the world around us. And the truth is that to you and me, providence seems broken. We can make no sense of what's going on. It just seems wrong. Friends, his mercy endureth forever. And that mercy has been worked out in his providential dealings with all men everywhere. And I don't know your experience. I don't know your heartache. I don't know what keeps you awake at night. But this I know. His mercy endureth forever. And that's what you need to remind yourself of. So you would not doubt him. Because if you doubt, then you'll begin to depart. The psalm surveys the work of creation, but it also surveys the work of redemption through the Exodus. And it's revealed here as an overview from start to finish. As we were brought into the land of promise, his mercy endureth forever, and we can rejoice in that. But you know, for the Lord's people at that time, there was an agony in their experience because they couldn't make sense of it. Just as you can't make sense of your providence today, they couldn't make sense of their providence then. We can see with a degree of objectivity the Lord's faithfulness to them and that his mercy endured. And we need to realize that God who dealt with them in such a faithful way is the God who is dealing with us in the same faithful way because God does not change. His mercy endureth forever. You cannot work out providence. But you are to know God. You can't know what's coming next. You are to know God, and that His mercy endureth forever. We'll give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, as we consider these. Uh, things fill us with a sense of wonder and appreciation that we might give thanks unto you that this is so that you are good and your mercy endures forever and we pray that we would not be amongst those who may hear of your mercy with our ears and yet never uh, really understand but that we might instead taste and see that we would know that you are good. Oh, grant then, O oh Lord, that we've been able to call upon you in the day of trouble and to flee from sin and to come unto Christ. We praise you that you set out for us in the gospel. Oh, open our mouths. Enable us to open our mouths that you might fill them. Enable us to open our hands and to let go of all else 
and to take hold of Christ. Oh, we praise you, our God, for grace, for mercy, for loving kindness, for your covenant faithfulness. Blessed be your name. Enable us to sing with great joy and with uh, thanksgiving. We ask for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. We're going to conclude our service this evening singing the beginning of this psalm, Psalm 136. Two versions. We'll sing the first version, verses 1 to 8. Give thanks to God, for good is he, for mercy hath he ever. Thanks to the God of gods give ye, for his grace faileth never. Thanks give the Lord of lords unto, for mercy hath he ever, who only wonders great can do, for his grace faileth never, who by his wisdom made heavens high, for mercy hath he ever, who sets the earth above the sky, for his grace faileth never. To him that made a great light shine, for mercy hath he ever, the sun to rule today decline, for his grace faileth never. Verses 1 to 8. Psalm 136. <clears throat> Spirit, one God, rest on and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Amen.